Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today features one of Jesus' most beloved parables, that of the mustard seed. So here are the famous words. To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants. How does God tend to work? What does the building up of the kingdom typically look like? The answer, from the very small to the very great and usually by a slow, gradual process. God, it seems, tends to operate under the radar, on the edges of things, quietly, clandestinely, not drawing attention to himself. And so famously in the city of God, the great St. Augustine opines that the people of God moving through history are a bit like Noah's Ark. That's to say, a small ship bouncing on the rough seas of history. Maybe not the the biggest boat, maybe not the thing that will get your attention, but like a little ark making its way through the rough seas. As the great empires come and go, as the dominant personalities rise and fall, as the waves of history crash noisily against the shore, God's kingdom is quietly advancing, unnoticed usually, but inevitable. One of my very favorite images from the great C.S. Lewis speaks to this principle. How, he asked, did God enter history? Answer, quietly in a dusty, forgotten corner of the Roman Empire, sneaking, as it were, behind enemy lines. In other words, God comes in Christ not as a, as a great conquering hero, not as a great king or emperor, but clandestinely, quietly, in the manner of someone sneaking behind enemy lines. Now watch how the story continues up and down the Christian centuries. How is European Christianity established? Read the great Christopher Dawson here. When St. Paul steps across from Asia Minor to Greece, that's a, a transit that no historian would have noticed, would have come on no one's radar screen at the time. But Paul setting foot on the European continent led in time to the conversion of Europe and then through Europe to the rest of the world. Think of that tiny handful of people who listened to St. Paul in Philippi or on the Areopagus in Athens when almost everybody else laughed at him and walked away. 
there was a very small group who said, we will hear you again on this matter. Well, those are the ancestors of the European Christianity, which would eventually spread throughout the world. How did the mighty Franciscan movement begin? This religious movement, which has endured now for 800 years and exists across the globe. Well, it started with one kind of odd, mystical kid who heard a voice coming from a crucifix. Francis, rebuild my church, which is falling into ruin. A handful of followers joined him in this quixotic project, then dozens, then hundreds, then thousands. How do the missionaries of charity commence? This order which now exists all over the world. One little lady in Calcutta, hearing, literally hearing the voice of Jesus, and moving out into the worst slum in the poorest city in the world and caring for the sick and dying. In the beginning, at that mustard seed moment, Mother Teresa had no money, nobody with her, no institutional support. And yet she started. How did the Hawthorne Dominicans get off the ground? Do you know about them? This community that cares for the uh, sick and the dying, especially those suffering from cancer. Well, they started with Rose Hawthorne, daughter of the great American novelist Nathaniel Hawthorne. Rose was frustrated that cancer patients in New York were being turned away from hospitals and left to fend for themselves in their dying days. And so... She simply brought a suffering woman into her own home and began to care for her. From that tiny beginning came this great religious order. What stands behind the now mighty institution, which is the University of Notre Dame? Well, it was a handful of intrepid French priests who crossed the very inhospitable Atlantic Ocean in the mid-19th century, cut their way, quite literally, cut their way through forests, endured brutal winters, and set up a small college in the Indiana forest. What helped to produce the explosion of Christian evangelization on the African continent? The lonely death of a young man named Charles Luanga, who in the 1880s submitted to being burned alive rather than renounce his faith. As I've said many times, anyone witnessing that scene, I'm sure would have said, well, we've put an end to Christianity in this part of the world. And now, Every year on the feast day of Charles Luanga and his companions, 500,000 people descend upon that place to pray. The church in Africa, which is now the fastest growing in the world, approaching 400 million Christians. What produced the Benedictine movement, which over time re-civilized Europe? 
came to exist all over the globe. Where'd that start? One kid uneasy with the moral corruption of Rome in the sixth century, who spent three years living as a hermit in a cave in the mountains of central Italy. Anybody walking by and that cave, I, I thought of it when I was filming there last summer, called Subiaco. And that's where St. Benedict, as a young kid, retired for three years to pray, to commune with God. Anybody walking by the entrance of that cave, I'm sure would have said, poor kid's lost his mind. Would anyone have guessed that in fact in that cave was the seed that would reestablish the civilization of Europe? See, friends, this is the mustard seed principle. This is the great principle. You see it up and down the Christian centuries. God tends to like to begin small, under the radar, off the screen, out of sight, out of mind, in that quiet way. And from these quiet beginnings, great things emerge. Now, with this great gospel principle in mind, let's take a look at our first reading, which is taken from the magnificent book of the prophet Ezekiel. Um, can I urge you, maybe with the help of a good commentary, but take out your Old Testament and find the book of the prophet Ezekiel, one of the most magnificent in the whole Bible. But listen now, here's the passage for today. Thus says the Lord God, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. It shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar. Okay, what is he talking about? Well, the historians tell us that the prophet is talking most likely about Zedekiah, the king of Israel, who was a, a corrupt and somewhat cowardly figure. But God's going to clip off from the top of that tree. So everybody knows this is the great tree. There's the king. God's going to clip off a little bit, a little shoot from the top of that tree. That refers to Jehoiakim, the nephew of Zedekiah, who is currently in exile in Babylon, who would be restored in Ezekiel's prophetic vision as king and would accomplish great things. Okay, that's the historical reference. Here's the point. Don't so much pay attention to those people and things impressive now in the eyes of the world. See, watch, watch. While everybody's gawking at the tree, What's God doing? Taking a little shoot from the top of it in order to accomplish his work. See, what are we looking at? There's the question. What are we paying attention to? We can be distracted by, by what the world holds up to us. But see, while we're doing that, God is typically about his own work in this very quiet way. Don't be afraid, everybody, to do small things at the prompting of God. Let me say it again. Don't be afraid to do small things at the prompting of God. You might feel that, that nothing you could do would possibly make a difference. 
you know, against all the evils in the world, against all the injustice, against all the indifference, and you see the mighty powers at work, you know, both both good and evil, and what, what can I possibly do? You might think that no one's going to pay attention to you or your projects, which, by the way, might be good, <laughs> right? God likes to operate in this quiet, clandestine way. You might feel powerless, useless. People might not notice you. Or if they do, they might think you're an unrealistic dreamer or crazy, as they clearly thought Francis and Benedict were. Who cares? That's the point. Who cares? Plant the seed. Make the move. Risk. Take even the smallest step. Don't worry about who notices or how much attention you're getting. They're all gawking at the tree, but God has taken that little tiny shoot. That's going to be his work. So if you feel this compulsion, you feel this, this inspiration from God, sow the seed. Do it. Do it, even in the smallest way. And leave the rest to the mercy and providence of God. See, that's the great mustard seed principle, which has guided the greatest figures in our tradition. May it guide you today. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.